This is the Value Investor Podcast with Tracy Reinick. All things value, all the time. Welcome back, value investors. So it's 2022. Happy New Year. It's time to look at what are the cheapest stocks to start the year. We do this every year. And I always like this episode because it's become kind of a thing now on the Value Investor Podcast. And it's fun to look back at what the stocks did that we chose or looked at last year, and then to give a new list of classic value stocks for this year. Because I like this screen, the classic value stocks are the most intense value stocks because it has a lot of components to the screen. And that means all these companies have to qualify under numerous different fundamentals for value, not just like PE or just price to sales. It's numerous things. So what is in the screen? Let's recap. I use the same screen every year and I use it um, throughout the year too to look for those classic value stocks. And it's a good screen. It is very narrow. So I know when I run it, I may only get like five stocks. I don't know. But um, these are going to be the ones that have the best fundamentals and uh, the best Zaxiness with the Zax rank and the values or yes, value style scores all thrown in. So the best of everything and they're cheap. So what are the components? So we look for a PE under 20. Um, it's a little bit higher than what I normally screen for, which is 15. But because this uh, screen is so narrow, we're going with the 20 because I don't want it to only give me like two stacks. So PE is under 20. Price to sales is, of course, under one, which means value. Remember what price to sales ratio means is that we're getting those sales for if they're under a dollar, they're under one, we're getting them for cheaper than what the company's making it for. So if it's, um, you know, 0.7, we're getting them for 70 cents, we're getting that dollar worth of sales. So we're getting them at a discount. That's what we want. Price to book on this screen is under two. I usually look for under three. So this is a little more narrow than what I look for. So we're going to get even better um, valueness under that component. The peg is under one. That's always what you need to look for because that means the PE and the growth combining to give you um, a value component there. So it could be that the earnings are rising fast enough or maybe you're getting the growth component. Either way, a peg under one is somewhat rare and it is a great way to screen for value. You can use it just on its own many times and we have on this show, but here we're combining it with everything else. So again, that's why this screen is very narrow. And then this one also includes price to cash flow and we look for under 20 there. So we are getting some good cash flows with these companies as well. Then on the Zach side, it has to have a Zach's rank of one or two which are our uh, buys and strong buys. So of course we want to have the best Zacks rank. And remember the high Zacks ranks usually means that something good is happening with the earnings estimates, that the analysts are raising the earnings estimates in you know, the last say 60 days of some sort. 
And so things are looking um, at least a little more positive on the earnings side of things too. So that's the Zach's rank. Then the style score is also included here of A or B, and that would just be for value, but we also have style scores for um, momentum and growth. So you can screen for several of those things with the style scores. But in our case, we just care about value. And the style score includes many of the fundamentals we were just talking about. So it's not surprising that we would get the high value style score because it also looks for low PEs, low price to sales, and the same similar fundamentals. So combining all those things, running it this year, how many did I get? I was a little concerned. Maybe it would be too narrow again, and I might only get like four or five stocks. But there is a lot of value out there right now with the good fundamentals. And so, surprisingly, we got 12 matches. That's a lot. 12 stocks this year. So last year, running the screen, we only got nine. So a little bit more bullish this year on the value end, which I don't know about you, but I'm seeing out there. There are a lot of good quality companies that are very cheap on all the value um, fundamentals right now. And so this is exciting. It's a little bit different from what we saw last year. So last year I picked out the five stocks I was gonna cover. This year I'm basically gonna do the same thing. But then I had to kind of look at all the other ones that um, I didn't pick in this list of 12. So I am going to mention all the stocks, but um, not take quite as much of a deep dive into several of them as I do on the, the five like featured ones. But there is interesting names on this year's list. But first, I want to cover what was on last year's list. And why it's interesting to me this year is that the names are, except for one, very different. Um, kind of more boring last year, what you would consider to be the more typical value stocks that are gonna have all of these low uh, fundamentals. So we had an insurance company, we had a financial services company that also was like insurance and wealth management. So those are some I'm kind of like, meh, kind of boring, right? But those were in last year's list. So let me just recap like what was in last year's list of the five and uh, what they did, what they ended up doing over the last year. So the first one is one of the insurance companies, Everest Regroup, ticker RE, um, Everest Regroup. That's, they're an insurance and reinsurance globally. They're one of the big, big insurance guys. And the year, year to date here, so it's like January of last year to January of this year, it's up 19.6%. The S&P is up around 28 or so, give or take. Um, at the same time. So a little underperformance there, but not too shabby, 19.6%. Kind of what you would expect from an insurance and reinsurance uh, stock, right? That's that's not too shabby for insurance stock. So that's Everest Regroup RE. Then we had KB Home. This is one that um, we also have a real estate home builder in this year's list, but this was the home builder from last year, KB Home, ticker KBH. We've talked about it a lot on the podcasts in 2021. Still cheap, uh, one year return, 30.9%. So just barely beating the S&P 500. It is down off of its 
2021 highs, however, as some people are thinking, oh, peak earnings, the home builders are done, but maybe they're not. So we will see what happens with KB Homes. I still like it, but it did not show up on this year's list. Uh, third stock was Manulife Financial, ticker MFC, MFC. And this is a Canadian financial services firm, one of the big caps. They do insurance and wealth management. They own John Hancock, if you're familiar with them. And they were up just 11.7% over the last year. And they're down pretty considerable off their April 2021 highs. So still cheap as well. But this is kind of what you would expect out of, you know, a big like financial services company of this size as well. That, um, you know, it's not going to. It's not going to be like a barn burner by any means. Uh, the next stock, the ODP Corp. Now, this was one I was like, what? When we picked it last year, ODP is the ticker, but they own Office Depot and Office Max. So this is a retailer. They're only trading at like five times last year. And over the last year, the shares did surge as the retailers caught a bid. They're up 42.8% over the last year. That is beating the S&P 500. Shares have been kind of rocky and they've had ups and downs and they are off their summer of 2021 highs, but still up 42.8%. So it did pay to dive into some of those really cheap retailers last year as they've had quite good runs. And then the fifth stock was Sanmina. I don't know, and I remember this from last year, how to pronounce it, Sanmina, I'm assuming. S-A-N-M is the ticker. S-A-N is in Nancy, M is in Mary. They do manufacturing solutions out in Silicon Valley. And this stock's also been volatile, but it's up 34% over the last year. Um, also just, you know, slightly beating the S&P 500. So that's pretty nice too. So not too shabby here. Um, yes, the S&P 500, very difficult to beat last year with that big, gain of around 28% in 2021. Um, very difficult even for tech stocks to beat a 28% gain for the year. Uh, triple Q's, the NASDAQ was actually a little bit below that. So um, even the NASDAQ couldn't beat it. And we didn't have any that finished in the red here. So that's good story. And that's because they were dirt cheap last year. And so um, you know, some buyers came in to buy on that cheapness and good, just solid fundamentals all around. So that was last year's list. And so now onto this year's list. So again, I pulled out like five names out of the 12, but I will talk about all 12 today and give you the tickers. But these are the five that um, I kind of picked for diversity, not because of anything else. They're all cheap. They all have great sex ranks. Great value scores. A um, couple of them pay some pretty nice dividends. So there's that. But it all depends on what area, sector, and industry you want to be in. So let's lead it off with the home builder stock again. Toll Brothers, ticker TOL, the only home builder on this list. It's the number one and a style score of A. PE is just 7.4 right now. Um, the PEG is 0.3. Price to cash flow, 9.5. Price to sales, 0.98. So just under that one cutoff there. Price to book is 1.6. So over the last year, these shares are up 67.2% and we're hitting new highs in December. 
still kind of hanging out near those highs, but still dirt cheap because everybody thinks that home builders, again, have had peak earnings and this is kind of over. How much longer can it go on? As the rates rise, home sales have got to slow, but Toll Brothers, luxury homes, they have almost 20% of their buyers paying all cash. So they don't care if the rates rise. <laughs> They're paying the cash. Uh, a lot of others paying much uh, bigger than like the FHA you know, requirements. Um, no problem getting those jumbo rates. They have big down payments because they've already owned their homes and are maybe either getting a vacation home or uh, trading into something new. So they have a lot of equity. So Toll Brothers has said that they don't think there's going to be any problem with the rates rising for their customers, but we'll see. And that's the only home builder, again, that made this list. They do pay a dividend, yielding only 0.9%, so not quite 1%, but at least you're getting something additional there. And that's Toll Brothers TOL. Okay, then we're moving on to Aero Electronics. I feel like I've covered them before on various podcasts because they've remained cheap for a number of years. Ticker ARW. So their website says they guide innovation forward for over 180,000 leading tech manufacturers and service providers. So they're kind of on that like behind the scenes thing. So they're not a household name, but they had sales in 2020 of 29 billion, expected to see sales of 34 billion here in 2021. The final numbers aren't in yet. And then slight sales increase for 2022, but we'll see as we go forward. So they've said in the third quarter, global component sales were limited by global supply and the supply chain issues, but they were still up 24% year over year. They did manage to have margin expansion because they're pushing through price increases. So they have that. Earnings in 2021 expected to rise 88% and another 6.5% in 2022. How cheap are they? PE is at 8.7, PEG is 0.3, price to cash flow is 12.3, price to sales 0.3, and price to book of just 1.8. They're number two, but with the A style score. So that's Aero Electronics. If you're looking for something kind of techie related, kind of, um, but not one of the well-known names and cheap, they don't have any price to sales ratio of 20, that's for sure. And they've got real earnings. So Aero Electronics ARW. Um, oh, yes. One year shares are up 39.9%. So and they're trading at new five-year highs. Um, so they have uh, they have underperformed the S&P 500 over the last five years, however, just up 88% versus 110% for the S&P. But maybe now is the time they're going to start outperforming. I don't know. They have been over the last year, though. So we'll see going forward with Arrow. Okay, the third stock is Kohl's. Yes, we have one retailer that made this list, Kohl's KSS. Um, they're number one with the A style score. So how cheap are they? PE is 6.8, PEG of 0.9, price to cash flow 11.4, price to sales 0.4, and price to book 1.4. One year, these shares are up 28%, so right in line with the S&P 500, basically, but they've fallen 15% over the past six weeks. So could this be a buying opportunity? They are cheaper than they were just six weeks ago. But earnings expected to fall 5% in fiscal 2023, 
from this high of 731 down to 695. They lost the dollar 21 in 2020. And remember, retail has been kind of hit on the supply chain issues and also these fears of peak earnings that everybody's run out and bought all their athletic wear to work out at home or whatnot. Um, they bought their uh, you know, spaghetti makers from Kohl's. I think they sell stuff like that, the small little appliances and things. And now they're done. But are they? I don't know. I don't know if I'm done. I'm, I'm still cooking at home. I don't know about the rest of you. And I'm still wanting that new apparel and those new shoes. Also, Kohl's has launched Sephora's in their stores. Remember, they used to be at JCPenney. They're now in Kohl's. And those stores within the stores are driving foot traffic. And it's looking like maybe it's going to be a good combination. I didn't think it would be, but maybe it is. Um, so keep that in mind. And they pay a dividend, 2%, not too shabby. But uh, Kohl's still cheap um, and could get cheaper if it pulls back some more. So Kohl's KSS. And then our fourth stock, I didn't know what this was at first. I had to go look it up. And then I was like, oh, these guys, I feel like they changed their names. So they used to just be Total. And they were their big oil in France. So they're like Exxon or Chevron in France. But now they're calling themselves Total Energies. And the ticker is TTE. They have a market cap of $136 billion. So they are, again, like Exxon or Chevron, but in France. Um, one year, these shares are up 20.9%, so underperforming a bit, but um, it has been a little up and down based on what crude and Brent and natural gas and all that is doing, but their earnings as outlook is looking real good. That's why they made this list. So 2021 expected to make $6.56, $6.56. That's up 358% from $1.43 uh, last year during the height of the pandemic. Then for next year, expected to be up another 10% to 724. So still seeing those good uh, earnings increases as you know, crude is is in demand and it is still rising. Um, Total also has been, you know, trying to be a good citizen and it's looking to um, do a lot of ESG things with its business as a lot of the big oil companies have been doing. So keep that in mind too when you're looking at um, how cheap are they? Very cheap. PE is just seven. PEG is 0.3. Price to cash flow is five. Price to sales. 0.7 price to book 1.2 dividend yielding 6% here with total. So if you're looking for that dividend play in any stock and especially energy, keep them on your list. Exxon and Chevron also paying the decent uh, dividends. So I have no, uh, nothing in this game with the big oils. They're not my favorites here to see a lot of price appreciation, but they do pay the bigger dividends and they got the free cash flow now to do it. So now is the time to buy them. If you're thinking about buying them, it's a number one and a style score of A. Then our fifth stock is in the auto side and it's Lithia Motors, LAD. We've talked about them and several of the other auto retailers in the past. Um, how cheap are they? Uh, did I write down? No, I didn't even write down what, they, what their cheapness is. Let me go look again. Um, okay, so Lithia PE is just eight, so that's cheap. They've been cheap for a while. Peg ratio 0.4, price to 
Price to cash flow is at 14. Um, let me see what else. Price to sales 0.4 and price to book is just under the two at 1.98. So it's just sliding into that two on our screen. Uh, year to date though, these or not year to date, sorry, one year, these shares are up just 4.8% and over the last six months down 14%. And they're down about over 35% from their spring 2021 highs. So what's going on here? Auto sales are still high. They're one of the biggest auto retailers in the United States. Why are the shares sinking and getting cheaper and cheaper? Um, especially because it's got the good Zach's ranks. So earnings are still um, looking pretty good for this year, up 110% to $38.29 from 18.19. But next year, little bit of a fallback. So this is the trappiness that kind of comes into play with some of these. And that's probably why the shares are down too. People worried about peak earnings with this one too. So earnings next year so far expected to be down just 3.5% to $36.95. So from 38.29 to 36.95, that's not terrible, right? After they've been killing it. But they did just say today on January 5th that um, they're online uh, portal called driveway did 1650 transactions in december so they only recently launched this business it hasn't been around that long and their goal for december was only 1250 so they beat that by 400 transactions so that gives them if they can continue this pace of 1650 15,000 annual run rate for more auto sales and According to their data, 96% of these buyers who are buying and financing the car online, so they're not going into the dealership, 96% of them are new to Lithia. So this is not the case where you might have gone to that dealership and bought the car, but, oh, there's a, you know, COVID is breaking out again, and I, I'm scared to go in there, so I'm just going to go on driveway and order it. That was only 4% maybe of the cases, but most of the customers just found driveway and bought the car off of there. They did not go um, to, or were not intending to go even to the actual brick and mortar dealerships. So that's a positive. They see uh, driveway contributing um, about half a billion in revenue going forward as a result. So it's not stealing revenue from the brick and mortar. This is additional. Also, Lithia, the brick and mortar stores have their own online sales. That's a separate business. And that has been doing extremely well for Lithia as well. So um, a lot of the analysts uh, have been somewhat negative on some of the old brick and mortar dealerships, thinking that the online uh, guys like Carvana are going to dominate the industry and we won't ever go to a car dealership again except for repairs. But that doesn't seem to be the case. And so maybe these shares are oversold here. Um, it's a Zach's number two. That's the buy with the A uh, style score because it's so cheap on all metrics. And it does pay a dividend, just yielding 0.5%, but they have been raising that over the years because they got the good free cash flow as well. So I still like Lithia and I still like all the auto retailers here. And maybe on this weakness, it's worth taking a look at some of them. So keep that in mind, Lithia Motors, LED. Okay, so those are the five. Um, and so let me just recap the five while I'm doing it so that you don't get confused. Okay, Toll Brothers, T-O-L, Aero Electronics, A-R-W, Kohl's, 
KSS, Total, as I pronounce it, Total Energies, TTE, and then we had Lithium Motors, LAD. But there are a bunch of other stocks. So let's talk about what else was in this group. So I'm going to start off with just a few that um, didn't make the cut, but I want to talk about them. So there's DXC Technology. We've talked about it on prior podcasts, ticker DXC. They're on like the IT side of tech. One of their big uh, partners is Microsoft. They um, are in Tyson's Corner, Virginia. They've been around since 1959. One year, these shares are up 31.6%. They've got all the cheapness. That's why they made this. Um, price to sales is just 0.5. The peg is 0.3. So that's all looking good. But the shares are off their August highs here. Six months, they're actually down 15.2%, maybe on that tech pressure. So this is one of the few that's like more of a purer play in tech than maybe the arrow is, but still on the services and solutions side. And you know, collaborates and all of that. So they're not actually, you know, they're they're not Uber or anything like that. They're not making making the items, but um, DXC technology still liking it and it's still cheap. Um, what else made this? Uh, grief, grief. I forget how you pronounce this one. G E F Industrial Packaging. They made the list. Shares are down nine percent the last three months, so they too are off twenty twenty one highs. Cheap across the board, PEG is 0.96, price to sales also 0.5. They pay a nice dividend, 3.1%. If you're thinking industrial packaging, which has been hot, we've all been ordering stuff, getting it delivered, and some of these industrial packagers are trying to figure out how to replace plastic and do various other things. Um, Grief might be one to watch, might be one to consider in there because it is still cheap and the shares have pulled back a bit. So keep that in mind with that one. Then there was one called Pampa Energia, P-A-M, never heard of it. And it's because it's an Argentina utility, does not pay a dividend, I don't believe. So why would I be interested in that? I'm not Argentina, no, I don't wanna be down there. So I'm just mentioning it, but that did make the list as well. But then a bunch of the remaining stocks were all uh, auto makers and in the auto industry, not retailers like Lithia. So GM made the list, ticker GM. Toyota made this list, ticker TM. Then we had Subaru of America made this list, F-U-J-H-Y. They made it. And then Stellantis, um, Stellantis S-T-L-A is the ticker and they are the autos and then mobility that's their big thing with the ev side as well so we only have because they're headquartered in amsterdam they're a european company we only have two estimates for them for the year we have none for the quarters but that's common for a lot of foreign stocks actually i didn't look at total they're foreign too they had quite a few they had five for the full year so quite a few covering the big oil uh companies, but not as much on the auto side. So Stellantis, but still we have two estimates for the year. So that's good. And what's happening with those? So this year they're expected to make $3.70 up 172%. That's up from $1.36. And then next year it's looking quite nice again, up another 12.7% to $4.17. So that all looks good. 
shares are still cheap with them. Um, how come I didn't actually look at them either? Oh, let me see. So Stellantis, uh, okay, so here we go. Oh yes, they're trading with a forward P of just 4.9. So they're under five. Peg ratio of 0.13, price to cash flow 5.1, price to sales 0.4. Price to book 0.7. What am, what are we missing? What what's happening here? Rising earnings, five times uh, that earnings got the peg because it's got growth. Now because they are making connected vehicles, they did announce in December that they're uh, looking to generate 20 billion euros in incremental annual revenues by 2030. Um, that's from their software side. So software huge and if you have connected cars they got to have the software in there you all these drivers we got all have subscriptions right so that's where they're going to see a lot of their growth right now they have 12 million monetizable connected cars globally by 2026 they expect to have 26 million so you can see the growth rate um, if they're able to produce this going forward. And I kind of like these car companies now, not just on electric side, but going into the software side. We just had an announcement from Sony that they are also diving into the, the um, mobile, the connected cars. They have semiconductors already and they've already been working on it, but they rolled out an SUV. They're gonna be rolling out their own division on this. So there is a lot of competition but this is the future of the automobile now and who's gonna cash in. So these shares, really cheap. Um, again, I guess pretty much the market's ignoring them. Over the last year, they're up 11.5%. So they have been up the last year. Over the last six months, up just 5%. They're kind of stalled out and sitting there. Not that different than um, some of the other auto stocks like GM, which hasn't been all that great of a performer recently either. So you gotta have a little longer perspective maybe on some of these, but they're so cheap and they are generating cash flow, and they got that earnings growth. I'm liking the story here. Uh, maybe I should have included them in the five because I did kind of do a little bit of deeper dive into them. And there have been some insiders buying there too. So um, that's always interesting. So that's Stellantis, S-T-L-A. Um, but again, there's several of these auto stocks now, all cheap and trying to get ahead of the future basically and be one of the leaders in the connected cars and the EVs that are all in our futures. So, add them to the list. So there's quite a list of stocks this year. Like I said, I felt like it was very different from the list I got last year, where I had a lot of those insurance companies and big financial companies, and it wasn't all that thrilling last year. But this year, some interesting areas that are seeing a lot of innovation, and they're all still dirt cheap. This is what I love about being a value investor. You don't have to buy good companies that are growing earnings and that are in you know hot areas for 10 or 20 times price to sales ratios or that have no earnings at all. No, you do not. Um, will they all be winners? We don't know, but the cheapness uh, is 
you know, allowing us to take a chance on some of these because they are cheap on a uh, classic value fundamentals basis. And last year's list didn't do too shabby in 2021. Um, and I'm hoping, you know, this year's list will also be, um, you know, pretty good on the performance side. So, yes, we had 12 classic value stocks to start 2022. Five were highlighted. Let me repeat all the tickers again. We had Toll Brothers, TOL, Aero Electronics, ARW, Kohl's, KSS, Total, which is the big oil, TTE, Lithia Motors, LAD. Those were in the five, but everybody else, we had the auto stacks. So we had um, GM, GM, Toyota, TM. Um, we had Subaru of America, F-U-J-H-Y. They used to be Fuji something heavy industries. Um, Fuji heavy industries. They changed their name. They're now Subaru of America. So that's easier, but that's why you get F-U-J-H-Y. Sorry, but they haven't changed their ticker. Um, Stellantis, S-T-L-A is on there. Then we had DXC Technologies, only kind of the more pure play on the tech side. DXC is the ticker. We had grief on the packaging, GEF, and then we had the Argentina Utility, Pampa Energia, PAM. So we're off. We're off to the races here in 2022, and there is a lot of value. So I'm excited to do the value episodes uh, coming up in the next couple of weeks because we're, we're in the game this year here in 2022. The growth stocks are still having some difficulties, still weak and aren't really cheap enough yet for us value investors to really take a look. But if they keep sliding here, maybe they will become into our radar. And I'm gonna take a closer look at the fangs or the fang men stocks as we go along, because some of them aren't exactly expensive, but could some of them be values here as well? We're gonna find out. So you don't wanna miss a single episode. Make sure you're getting all the value investor podcasts I'm bringing them to you on Apple, we're on Spotify, we're on Amazon Music, we're on SoundCloud with Zach's Market Edge, but get us somewhere and I'll see you again next week with some more value stocks. This material is being provided for informational purposes only and nothing herein constitutes investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice or a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold a security. Do not act or rely upon the information and advice given in this podcast without seeking the services of competent and professional legal, tax, or accounting counsel. Publication and distribution of this podcast is not intended to create and the information contained herein does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. No recommendation or advice is being given as to whether any investment or strategy is suitable for a particular investor. It should not be assumed that any investments in securities, companies, sectors, or markets identified described were or will be profitable. All information is current as of the date herein and is subject to change without notice. Any views or opinions expressed may not reflect those of Zach's investment research as a whole.